admit it. You love to read those gushing profiles in the business pages about the latest innovative, charismatic CEO. That CEO, of course, will have brilliant insights about how great leaders can transform an industry. But what about a CEO whose organization was just awarded $100 million from the MacArthur Foundation? Her organization believes America cannot just address, but actually solve the issue of homelessness. I always like to take the occasion to uh, remind people that this is a totally solvable problem, that we do not have to be living in a country that lets vulnerable people live abandoned by the side of the road. Hi, I'm Irene Silber, and welcome to the Real Leadership Podcast. Roseanne Haggerty is president of Community Solutions, an organization that is spearheading a change in how nonprofits and local governments deal with homelessness. The Vanguard Network's Ken Banta has known Haggerty since they were both in college. They talked about reaching zero homelessness and how leadership in the nonprofit sector can sometimes differ from private industry. Roseanne, let's begin with your story. You attended Amherst College. I know that because I was there. How did you then end up where you are today? Well, uh, my journey has really tracked the sort of course of modern homelessness, actually. I, uh, right after Amherst, uh, uh, volunteered for a year at uh, uh, a setting in New York City, a, a shelter for homeless and runaway young people. And I expected that was going to be a one-year detour uh, and found myself very um, caught up in this issue, mainly because uh, homelessness was a fairly new problem then, and it was uh, very possible to believe that with uh, enough smart effort then it could be contained and solved. And uh, here we are 38 years later, but it was uh, really that uh, initial encounter. And then I went from there to uh, learn how to develop affordable housing and then started uh, a first not-for-profit focused on building housing for the homeless. Realized that was necessary but insufficient, that the problem was growing around us even as we were celebrating the success of our programs and then uh, launched Community Solutions uh, uh, nine years ago, nine and a half years ago, to really work on the, the building the overall system that could tackle this problem uh, through the lens of a population health strategy, which is what we'd seen was needed as, as we looked back in New York at what wasn't happening despite our worthy efforts as uh, program providers. Uh, tell us a little more about this uh, public health uh, approach to homelessness. Uh, Clearly, uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of organizations have failed in this effort to address homelessness. What is different about this approach, and why do you feel Community Solutions may be succeeding where so many people have failed? Well, let me be quick to say that uh, we are the hub of a network now of 81 cities and counties across the country uh, working toward a lasting end to homelessness that leaves no one behind. And the big leap, the revolutionary shift, has been to finally recognize that this is not a problem of, of um, individual suffering misfortunes or, or individual behavior, that this is a, 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 a bright light show, uh, showing us where um, the social sector um, collapses are happening. Homelessness, once we started recognizing, was a symptom of another problem of, of just a, a broken um, public safety net. Uh, that's what led our thinking to move toward how do you tackle this at a population level, not simply think if we had enough programs, somehow the issue would be 
uh, uh, redirected. And so it was learning uh, really through uh, the mentorship of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, how to start applying systems thinking, uh, uh, quality improvement, and, and really a fanatical attention to data and what was happening that could help us understand the dynamics of this problem that led us to a new approach that's evolved over time. Uh, and uh, really with the, the kind of the, the brave participation of these communities who signed up to figure out together how to learn how to do this, how to tackle this problem in the way that other industries have managed to tame complex problems. On that front, uh, people think of homelessness, I think, as a pretty squishy uh, problem mm -hmm. and uh, not one that's very uh, data-driven. How do you, how do we measure success in this area? What does success mm -hmm. look like? Well, success, as we have collectively defined it, those, you know, the, the many, you know, thousands of people now in these communities participating in this movement have ad adopted an end state definition called functional zero, which would, would be akin to like functional zero measles or functional zero tuberculosis. The idea is that there will still be cases, but we can make them very rare and brief. And so in the Built for Zero communities now, these communities across very large geographies, I mean, some of the largest counties in the United States uh, have uh, the ability to know by name and real time who's experiencing homelessness and to get under that data into who's actively homeless, who, who are the individuals and families right in front of you, who's new into homelessness that, that, that week or that month so you can begin focusing attention on what happened and begin solving those upstream problems, who has been housed and who has kind of gone off the radar because what most people don't understand is for the vast majority of people who experience homelessness, it's a, a, a brief crisis that they resolve themselves. And so you can do a lot of over-treating if you uh, don't allow for that phenomenon. And so this dynamic system really focuses a whole team of community actors on a population level goal, which is functional zero homelessness, as opposed to, am I complying with my HUD grant? Or uh, am I um, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, making my program numbers work? Uh, so it's the shift from the individual program to the population and this shared data that drives and allows the collaborative learning and the improvement towards zero. Let's talk a little bit about your own leadership and some leadership lessons. Um, you know, uh, people today in, in all sorts of businesses mm -hmm. are uh, transfixed by the con concept of transformational leadership because they're surrounded by these uh, vast problems of pandemic, uh, social equity, uh, racial equality. What do you see as the key elements of a transformational leader in your own experience versus a status quo leader? Well, I, would, uh, I don't know that I can claim to be a transformational leader, but we certainly have a transformational commitment and vision of this issue. And maybe that's where that begins. Um, you know, my, my colleagues and I and all of the communities that we work with are uh, really uh, emboldened by a, a shared vision of the end state of a, a country that uh, knows homelessness to be solvable and is about that business. And that is working to um, eliminate this problem, not, not simply to tolerate it. Um, so in the very you know, specific world of homelessness, I can say looking, looking across the land that the, the, the transformational leaders are the ones who are focused on that end state and who, I think have, have really sublimated 
the aspirations or agenda of their own organization to what the community needs and the community, not just in terms of a geographic space, but you know, those individuals who are the most vulnerable, who are suffering are most likely to suffer uh, the experience of homelessness. So I'd say that's the difference. Maybe we could drill down on a few things that are, that are really leadership focused versus any particular uh, organization. And one thing uh, I was gonna ask you is in all these years as a uh, head of uh, various organizations, what are the things that you've learned uh, sort of by fire uh, not to do? And what are the things you learned by fire to do as priority? So the priority not to do's that uh, tripped you up and the priority to do's that have helped you be successful. Well, uh, it's, it's certainly not unique to not-for-profit leadership, but uh, the need to bring people along uh, that, uh, especially in, in work uh, of the nature that we do, which has been pushing the field, uh, you know, there, there is the need for at least a core group to uh, understand and help shape the vision. And so this is not the work of, of single organizations or single leaders. It's, it's uh, building coalitions that can, can uh, move at, uh, at a pace that um, uh, uh, sometimes is, is slower than you know, what uh, a single organization might like to think they could do. But the results have been, uh, I think, uh, validating. But I say the other thing that I've um, thought a lot about, Ken, in terms of most important lessons is that sometimes the idea is right and the context is wrong and the timing is wrong. And not to give up on the idea, but to be patient in terms of um, creating the right context and uh, uh, the right team. Uh, that that uh, you know, idea, context, team, they have to align. And uh, that, that uh, uh, learning how to slow down and not to lose, um, lose uh, confidence or faith in an idea uh, while building the, uh, the, the container for it. That I think has been both uh, what to do, what not to do, maybe the most important learning at the center of that. Tell us a little bit about how you uh, choose uh, the type of talent you need around you. Uh, everybody has different uh, needs as a, as a CEO, but not everyone is very self-aware of what they are. Uh, how have you felt that you've been able to assess your own uh, uh, strengths as well as the areas where you're not so strong? And then what, is, what have you done to solve for that? Well, I, I think realized long ago that I am, uh, uh, my strengths are in the areas of, of idea development and uh, uh, frankly, sort of peripheral vision, you know, where else? could this problem be understood or who is solving a similar problem and, and, and connecting the dots. I am not the person you would go to for like to develop the Gantt chart and to project manage anything. And so I've had to surround myself with strong project managers. And also I, I, I have found over the years that some of our most um, powerful and effective team members have come from fields, you know, very distant from homelessness. Uh, people have come from the military, uh, people who have uh, been architects uh, um, and, and that was their background. Increasingly, we are, we're pulling in people from public health because of, of really strengthening the connections there. But um, uh, uh, the, I think what we look for is a, a certain, um, 
quality of openness to new problem solving approaches, uh, very focused on our organizational values and uh, people who embrace those. Uh, so we have a, a pretty uh, uh, a wide array of talents and backgrounds on the team. Uh, and uh, I, I think the common denominator is an appetite for problem solving. We're just about out of time. Oh, Roseanne, any last thoughts or uh, comments you'd like to make? I just always like to take the occasion to uh, remind people that this is a totally solvable problem, that we do not have to be living in a country that lets vulnerable people you know, uh, you know, live abandoned by the side of the road. And uh, even in the places in, in our awareness where the problem seems most difficult to tackle, homelessness represents less than 1% of any city or county's population. This is a total last mile problem. And so we're very much in the evangelist mode of, of asking people to really consider why it is that we ever thought this was like such an impossible problem. That mindset shift is something that, that we, we really need more and more people to embrace because it's that space that allows people like those at your housing authority or your local not-for-profits to do the right work. That was Roseanne Haggerty, President of Community Solutions, talking with the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta. Community Solutions recently received $100 million from the MacArthur Foundation to expand its work. The Real Leadership Podcast is just one of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about Vanguard, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silver. Thanks for listening.